All right, guys. Everybody loaded up on their coffee? Because you guys are going to need it. <laughs> I don't want nobody dozing off. Because I'll throw this pen at them. <laughs> so, here we go with, with Samson. You know, I know in, in Ernie's chapter, chapter 14, we're going to do a little recap or overview of it. But I just think about Samson. Now, as I was doing the study, I, go, I was thinking, you know, would I want a son like Samson? And it was, it was hard to say, you know, probably not. Because, you know, he did a lot of great things, but, you know, all the way, all the way to the end, and I think in chapter 16, that he actually calls out to God. We know he's in the faith chapter in, in Hebrews chapter 11. So we know we, he did some good things in his life, and, and he, glory, he, he honored God. But as we read his story, you know, a, a lot of it is it's about honoring God. It's about honoring self. He was a very prideful man. And um, as we read it, I'll explain why I say these things. Got a big smudge on my glass. Yeah. I need to see clearly. So as we uh, do a recap on chapter 14, in, uh, in uh, verses 1 to 3, we see Samson telling his father and mother that he saw a woman in Timnah. Now Timnah was a town of Judah assigned to Dan, captured by the Philistines. That he, he liked, he, he, he saw a woman that he liked and told his father, go get her for me. You know, if your son would have told you that, hey, mo hey, Dad, you know, kind of like this chick over here. Go get her. <laughs> what am I, your dog? <laughs> Shoot. You know, but, but you know, you know, you, I guess in those days, you know, but, you know, as, you know, in Samson's birth, you know, it, it was, it was, you know, it was a, it was a, a miracle birth because Samson's mother was, was uh, barren. And so they, they wanted a child, so they got, you know, God blessed them with a child. And then you could see that as they were raising him, they kind of worshipped him. And that's what happens when we worship our kids. We let them run the show. How many times I go into people's houses and kids are off the hook? And you're going, why aren't you telling that kid something? Quit telling them, quit jumping on the table and running amok on you, you know? And you're going, why don't you say something? Oh, he's all right. He's all right. And I go, nowadays, man, in the old days, mom sort of just took care of it, man. I, you know, we just didn't do that in the old days because we knew we, we, it was wrong. Father and mother had a hand on it. And it's just nowadays, it's just kids are off the hook. But when I see in Samson's life, the mother and father didn't have too much discipline with him, knowing that he was a Nazarite. And there's only three of them that, that I know of, Samuel, uh, John the Baptist and, and Samson. And, um, and, and Samson was no way like Samuel or John the Baptist because they both glorified God in what they do. Samuel uh, served God in the temple all his life. John, of course, you know, brought in Jesus Christ. But uh, Samson, was, it was a whole other job for Samson. And we see that as we go to chapter 4, you know, you know, Samson orders his father to go get this woman, boom, 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 boom. But then, you know, and Samson's father is saying, hey, you know, why don't you 
marry one of the women, you know, an Israelite woman, stay equally yoked. And, um, and uh, you could just see the moral decay because we know the whole theme of this, this book is, you know, they did what was right in their own mind. They didn't respect God. They didn't respect God's ways. So, you know, you know they, they just compromised the Word of God. And that's one thing we as Christians cannot compromise the Word of God. We can't do that. You know, that's just, that's just, you know, once you compromise a little bit, you compromise a lot. You see that in the emerging church. They've already compromised the Word of God by allowing people to come in, you know, partying, drinking alcohol. I mean, those things, you know, you cannot do. But, um, and, you know, of course, people say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with alcohol. You can drink. You can drink a beer here and there. You can have wine with your dinner. And, and, and rightfully so, you can. But I know in my case, when I had one beer, it led to two beers and on and on and on. You don't feed the beast because the beast is right there. He's right under the surface. That old man is just waiting to come out. And don't give him any excuse to come out. And that's what happens when you start to feed it. You start to compromise the Word of God. Then it leads to another compromise and on and on and on. Next thing you know, you're back into the world and you're wondering how I got there. And then you think God can't bring you back in, so you just keep going deeper and deeper. That's the problem with a lot of uh, backsliding Christians. God will forgive you. God forgave David. He'll forgive you. God forgave Saul. He'll, give, he'll forgive you. I mean, these are two, you know, David killed Uriah, married his wife after he had committed adultery with her. And um, God forgave him. Even came down to calling him a man after his own heart. So, in verse 4, it kind of brings light on everything that's going on in these first three chapters when it says, But his father and mother did not know that it was the Lord that he was seeking, that he was, the Lord was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So, this is all God's master plan. We know God sees the beginning and the end. You know, I'm seeing we're so, it's so, I'm so grateful that he does because he saw me when I was in the streets. He saw me when I was, you know, several times, you know, it came to, you know, almost dying. But God knew it. God knew where I was going to be today. He knew where I was going to be in the county jail. He knew I was going to be in there preaching the gospel. So he saved me there so he can use me here. And the thing with, with Samson is, God is setting up the whole purpose of his birth was to deliver the children out of the hands of the Philistines for that time. Because we know they actually never got delivered out of the hands of the Philistines until David came and slayed, slayed Goliath. And that's when they actually were, were out of the oppressive hand of the Philistines. In verse 6 it says, in verse 6, it's about, uh, this is our first example of the Spirit of God giving Samson supernatural strength by tearing apart a lion. You know how much, how, you know, you've ever seen a lion? I mean, they stand about this high. And, and you know, and, and I, let me step back a little bit, because I, I, I always ponder the stature of Samson. Was he this big, big dude? Or was he just like a dude like Xavier? Who knows? But I know that they were amazed at his strength. And they knew that 
It wasn't because he was a big, strong man. They, 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 they couldn't attest it to that because it was supernatural. And so can you imagine tearing about a lion like you would tear apart a little lamb? Like just break off a bone. So he did. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's an amazing feat. If it, you know, and all of us have seen lions in the zoo. They're no joke, man. This is some big dudes. And they stand, they're standing on all four this high. I don't know, man. Got big jaws, too. In verses 8 and 9, and, that, and as time went by, the bees made a honeycomb in the carcass of the lion. And that sets up a chain of events that God uses to deliver his people out of the oppressive hand of the Philistines using Samson as his vessel. And, you know, we always think, you know, and I, sometimes even I do this. You know, I, I'm in the county jail, and, and I'm preaching, and I start walking out, and, I, you know, guys got saved, and I'm thinking, wow, that was so awesome, you know. And you almost get puffed up. It almost gets you puffed up, and then you think. Think about it. If God can use a donkey, he can use me. And that's what he did in, in, in uh, Numbers 22 when, when Balaam's donkey rebuked him because the angel of the Lord was ready to kill him. So, you know, if God can use a donkey, don't let, don't let yourself get puffed up when he does great things through you because it's, it, all we're doing is doing our reasonable service. Like it says in, in, um, in Romans, in Romans um, chapter 12 when it talks about what we need to be doing just as, as, as followers of Christ. Just be about his business and not worry about, you know, how great a feat it was, because God could do anything through anybody, if you're willing. That's all he wants is willing vessels. That's all he's looking for. In verse 10 to 15, Samson's father went to the woman's family and asked for, asked her, asked for, her, for her for his son. And so they threw a wedding feast, and Samson presented a, a question or a riddle. Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of, the, out of strong came something sweet. And he told them if they could correctly solve the riddle in seven days, uh, in the seven days of the feast, he would give them 30 linen garments and 30 changings of clothes. And if they couldn't solve it, they would have to give, give him the same in return. So, you know, they're going through the feast, you know, partying. And... Uh, and you know it's you know it's it's just another another thing about Samson Samson and his pride and his arrogance because he presented this riddle knowing that they're not going to solve it. nobody knows what happened so he he knowing that he was probably going to win but in verse 15 to 18 it, so it came down to the 7th day and they could not solve the riddle so they threatened his wife that if she could not get the answer they would burn her and her father in her father's house, and, and in order to save her life, and her father's life, she nagged him. Kind of remind me of the, uh, uh, the parable about the persistent widow, when she nagged the judge, and finally the judge said, you know what, woman, quit bugging me. Okay, I'll tell you. So, in, uh, in verses 19 to 20, so, the, so he, he gave her the answer. And then, of course, she went and told the men, you know, because she had to save her life. And it's pretty ironic later as we read, too. 
So to pay his debt, he went to a Philistine city called Ashkelon. It's funny, I, I read all these names, and you know, when you read, the, when you watch the, uh, that movie with the, if I can, I think of it, um, with the, uh, huh? No, 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 the, the movie with, with, when, when Jesus is the lion, and, and, uh, Narnia. There you go. Yeah, right, because that's part of the one of the cities in that in that in that movie is Ascalon. And so he killed 30, 30 uh Philistines and took their clothes and you know, that's it was too much, man. You know that I mean you don't just go you know, me and you just don't go and kill thirty people. That just don't happen. You know, it, you know, and I, I, the more I read it, the more I, I looked. And Samson, I mean, he didn't say thank you, Lord, for just you know, giving me this great victory. It was all about him. It's always about him until we get to the end. So, which now sets the stage to my chapter, verses one to three. Let's read the read the whole chapter, and then we'll go over it. It says, after a while. In time of the wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, let me go in to my wife into her room. But her father would not permit him to go in. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister better than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said, said said to them, This time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I harm them. Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tails. Then he had set the torches on fire and let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he, was take, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. <laughs> and Samson said to them, since you would do a thing like this, I would surely take revenge on you, and after that I will cease. So he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cliff of the rock of Itim. Now the Philistines went up and camped in Judah and deployed themselves against Lehi. And the men of, of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? So they answered, We have come up to arrest Samson, to do to him as he has done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cliff of the rock of Etim and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, so I did to them. But they said to him, We have come down to arrest you, and that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. Then Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not kill me yourselves. So they spoke to him, saying, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into the hand, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes 
that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke, broke loose from his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Then Samson said, With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. And so it was when he had finished speaking that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramoth-Lehi. Then he became very thirsty, so he cried out to the Lord and said, You have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So God split the hollow place that is in Lehi, and water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he re revived. Therefore he called the name of the name En Hakor, which in Lehi, which is in Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel twenty years in the days of the Philistines. Okay. So verses one to three, it says it talks about it comes out and it talks about the wheat harvest, and that was about May, and we'll come back to the significance significance to the wheat harvest as the story unfolds. So once Samson cools down, he gets over his wife's betrayal, and now he wants to consummate his marriage. Because it wasn't constantly, you know, they party, but they never really had a honeymoon. Because, you know, after, they, after she ratted him out, he got, he got pissed and, and went home to mommy and daddy. And then now he's coming back, now he's all cooled off, and he says, okay, okay, I'm going you know, to go back to my wife and let's to start my life. And he brings a young goat to his wife. And in those days, bringing a young goat was like it was equivalent to bringing a bouquet of flowers or something. Because everything was about eating and, 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 and drinking and, and breaking bread. And so he brings the, the, the young goat and he attempts to go into his wife's room and her father stops him from entering. And her father started to and then, I'm sure this was, her father probably looked and said, whoa, and saw the rage in his eyes. He said, what? I'm about, I'm about ready to open the can right now. You don't get out my way because it's time to move, my brother. Because <laughs> you know, my woman's there and you're here and you in between us. No, this ain't going to happen. And then the father saw the rage in his eyes and he started to explain what they assumed but they assumed when he left that he hated her and abandoned her. So, the, so, so he said, hey, I gave, I gave her to your best man. And then the father tries to make up for the misunderstanding by offering his younger, her, his younger daughter as a replacement. And, you know, once again, once again, man, you know, he goes, hey, is she not better than the older? And just to just to, you know just to lure him in, you know, and and you know it just shows you the value of a woman in those days. I mean, this is his daughter. I, I, you know, I couldn't see me doing that with my daughter. Dude, you left. You got all mad. You left. We thought, okay, you're gone, and you know, so I gave her to your homie. That's it. Done deal. You know, <laughs> it's a done deal. You ain't getting. Uh, no, uh. -uh. No, you know, just offer her up, you know, just go, oh, you know, take me. And that just shows you that there, 
the fear they had for man. Everybody fears man more than they fear God. You know, it's just amazing. Now Samson found the excuse he needed to put God's plan into full force, not even realizing that it was God's plan all along. See, Samson was thinking all this was about him. But God's always working in the midst. You know, it's amazing when we're in the county jail and we're, and we're preaching and, we, and, and we're watching guys come out and we see the countenance on their faces like they're coming out, they're mad, they're angry. And then you see the Holy Spirit working in the midst. You see as, as the word is touching them and, going, and, and, and touching their heart, they, they're calming, the word's calming them. And, and it's, you know, guys, if you're not out in the mission fields or if you're not out serving God, you will never experience the Holy Spirit. You never watch, be able to watch the Holy Spirit work in the masses and people. It just calms them. It calms their spirit. It, it just, it, and you're right before your eyes, you're just going, wow, this is amazing. When, you walk, when we walk out of, you know, Pete's part of the ministry, we walk out of there, we're like going, wow. What, what did God just do? You know, God just he, just, he just transforms people right in front of your eyes. And it's a supernatural thing, guys. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It's a beautiful thing to see as God's speaking through you. Because you're like watching this. You're like watching yourself preach and watching what's going on there. And it's like, wow, what, a, what an amazing thing. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to see this. You know, just thank you. Anyways, sorry. I always flash back. And now, in in verses 4 to 5, Samson went and caught 300 foxes. Now, how did that happen? Come on now. You know, what do you do? You know, I got you. I had 300 foxes. That's pretty amazing. He had to have worked with foxes before. He had to have done something, know how they they react to certain things or built a big pen and went out in the bushes and just chased them all in. I don't know how he did it, but it's pretty amazing. It was supernatural. You know it's supernatural because basically I bet you all he did was like the Pied Piper. He just said, okay, foxes, boom. You know, he's given us dominion over all the animals, hasn't he? You know, I mean, when the Holy Spirit's involved in it, there ain't nothing impossible, is there? God could do anything. I mean, he created the universe. You can't get 300 foxes over to Samson. Of course, Samson probably thinking, yeah, see what I did. Got me 300 foxes. So he ties them. So he's, he's, he's uh, tying the foxes tail to tail and putting the torch in between each tail. And yeah, they all just sat there and let him do that. You know, it's <laughs> It's pretty, yeah, yeah, here you go, Samson. Yeah, all right, thank you, thank you. Because that's what I want to do. I want to go lose my life in this, in this field right now. <laughs> that's exactly what I want to do. But, you know, I think about all them PETA people and all that. See, animals are animals. God uses them. I mean, it's kind of cruel. But still, this was a, there was a bigger purpose here. We always got to look at the bigger picture. God just wasn't tearing up these, killing these foxes just because he's, he's delivering his people because they've been under this oppressive hand of the Philistines. The Philistines weren't good people, you know. 
long as you long as you did what they 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 told you to do, I'm sure it was okay to get along. As we as we as we as when we go further, we'll see. But you know, the, the Israelite people weren't being treated well. But they were they were okay with it. It's, it's funny. Ever since they left Egypt, it just seemed like uh, all they wanted to do was have somebody rule over them. They never wanted God to rule over them. They always wanted man. You know, oh, can can you rule over us? Can you? They were they were probably good servants, you know, because they they wouldn't argue or nothing until God will, said no, this isn't the way it's going to be. So we go to four and five. Now we all yeah okay we know about him you know putting and and the thing now the harvest the wheat harvest comes to play. So as he tied all these uh, foxes together, put torches in, in the middle, and he knew how foxes would go. You know, each one would try to run away from each other. So they would zigzag, and they were zigzagging through all the wheat, through all the vineyards, through all the olive groves. They burned everything down. And I'm sure the Philistines weren't too happy with that. You know, they had three major crop, crops born. They had the, the wheat harvest, they had the vineyards and the olive groves. And in those days, the economy was based on their crops and animals. The more animals, the more, the more crops you had, you, you were wealthy. That brought you wealth. And I know by wiping out the crops, this put a big hole in their economy. So verses 6 to 9, <laughs> it's ironic that she fell victim to the very terror that caused her to betray Samson in the first place, huh? It's when the... Let me read it. Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they answered... Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to the, his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, Since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you. And after that, I will cease. <laughs> it's funny when he says, I will cease. I will stop bothering you then. So you guys just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and of course it was ironic she fell victim to the terror that caused her to betray Samson in the first place. And Samson's first attack was crops. But now because of what they did to his wife and her father, now it's blood for blood, life for life. It's on now. He said, now it's opening a big can. So Samson takes his, gets his revenge. And again, it says, what he, what's it say? It says, now the Philistines went up and encamped in Judah and deployed, deployed themselves to well see. Yeah, deployed themselves against Lehi. Okay, hold on. Okay, no. Okay, we go back to nine. No, back to eight. And it says, so he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cliff of a rock of Itim. Well, he must have killed probably at that time, maybe two, three hundred men. You know, it's possible. It doesn't say how many he killed, but he wiped out a lot of guys. And these now he started to take down their fighting men. He started to, to, to weaken their armies and break them down. And then... Um, and then after he, Samson gets his revenge, 
And he's so arrogant because he says, then I will cease. Cease what? Then I, then I will cease so you guys just leave me alone and everything's cool? That, that's not the way it is. Now the Philistines come after him. And you know what? After all this, he never gave God any praise. You know, all these victories, never once did. You don't hear God mentioned in all of this until the, until the, the end of the chapter. And he never gives God praise. So the cliff, cliff of the rock of Itim, it's called, Itim means wild beast lair. <laughs> Pretty fitting, huh? And it's a city in Judah. And so instead of running to his people, the Danites, he, the Danites, he ran to a, a, a city in Judah. So now the Philistines came after Samson, and although he was a Danite, he fled to a city in Judah called Lehi, which means jawbone. The conflict now escalates from a private matter to a national crisis. Now everybody's involved. It's, it's, it's on. You now we want this Samson. And, and um, in verses 10 to 11, And the men of Judah said, Why have you come up against us? So they answered, We have come up to arrest Samson to do to him as he's done to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cliff of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done to us? And he said to them, As they did to me, I have done to them. Now, they were very comfortable under the under the Philistine rule, obviously they they're going. Don't you know they rule over us? You know, and they're whining to them. Now the men of Judah ask the Philistines, "Why have you come up against us?" And they tell them, "We came for Samson for revenge for what he did to us." And then a legion of men from Judah went to where Samson was hiding out, and the men complained about the Philistines. We were ready. We were ready to attack them. It, then they complained about how the Philistines were ready to attack them if they didn't hand them over. And they reminded him that the Philistines ruled over them. And they questioned him why he, he brought this problem to, our, to their country. And he answered, as they did to me, I did to them. And he, and he made me think, it made me think that we, he was hoping for maybe some backup from his homies, from his brethren, you know, maybe a little backup. Hey, you guys want to, there's, they, they came with a 1,000 men. They sent 3,000 after Samson. And you think, hey, we got them outnumbered, you know, three to one. Maybe, you know, hey, yeah, Samson, let's go get them. Let's, let's get rid of these guys, man. I'm tired of them oppressing us. No, but all they did was make a deal. But instead, in 12 and 13, they said, but they said to him, we have come down to arrest you that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. Then Samson said to them, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. I guess that's a little compromise. Okay, well, okay, you're going to deliver me. I thought maybe you guys would give me some backup because I know my homies won't, you know, my day-night homies. They're not going to help me. So I thought maybe if I ran to you guys, you guys would give me some backup. But obviously not. And then 13, so they, so they spoke to him saying, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand but we surely not kill you. Oh, okay, thanks. And they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the, de from the rock. And they, they make an emphasis on new ropes because new ropes are impossible to break. 
they're woven so tight, and, and they probably weren't like little tiny ropes. They were probably big ropes. So they agreed. So, so, but instead, the men of Judah still said, we, will, we, we came to arrest you and turn you over to the Philistines. And Samson, not trusting them, he made them swear that they would not kill him. They agreed, and Samson allowed them to bound him with two new robes and brought him to the Philistines. In, in 14 and 15, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against him, and then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands, and he found a fresh jawbone, a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand with it. <clears throat> so as they came to the rendezvous location in Lehi, and the Philistines saw him coming, they started licking their chops. They're like, going, okay, we're going to tear you up, Samson. Because you messed us up, man. You messed up our crops. <clears throat> we're going we're gonna to get medieval on you right now. And, and, and they were just, just ready to just, they're just thinking about the evil they're about ready to bring on, upon Samson. Then the Holy Spirit, once again God, came upon him and empowered him and the ropes, melted off his hands, and he looked down and saw a fresh jawbone of a donkey and proceeded to whip up a thousand men. And Samson never gave praise to God. And, and this was like the first time that he violated his Nazareth um, vow by touching uh, the corpse of a, of a donkey, which is an unclean animal. Not only is it dead, but it's unclean. It's the first time he, he actually violated that, that Nazareth law because... Even when he was uh, having the feast for his wedding feast, it didn't say that he was partaking of any wine or anything that that would uh, that would uh, uh, violate his Nazarite uh, vow. And then 16 and 17. Then Samson said, "With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men." He didn't say, the Lord gave me the power to slay a thousand men, did he? No, what did he say? I. That I is a big I, I, I. <laughs> Xavier always says that. Me, myself, and I. The trinity of, of sin. And uh, never, never once would he give God the praise. And so it was, when he had finished speaking, that he threw the jawbone from his hand and called that place Ramoth-Lehi. Ramoth Lehi means jawbone hill. And I just think about this story and I think about how Samson was, was just so unwilling to give God any honor for any of this. You don't hear God mentioned at all. Now, as we get to uh, 19, 18 and 19, Then he became very thirsty. Oh, poor Samson. Now he's thirsty. He cried out to the Lord and said, You have given me this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now shall I die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? So God split the ho a hollow place that is in Lehi 
and water came out, and he drank, and his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore he called its name En Hakor, which is in Lehi to this day. So now that he's thirsty and exhausted and thinking, wow, I'm going to die, he cries out to God and acknowledges God for you know, victory. He wasn't like really acknowledging God. He was just saying, you know, God, you gave me this great victory. Now I'm thirsty. Can you give me some water? And God, being slow to anger and very gracious, he opened a hollow place in Lehi and water came out. And God met the physical need of Samson. And Samson named, that, named the place En Hakor, which means the spirit of the caller. And in, even in this, he was not humbled. Even when he named it the spirit of the caller, like he summons God to him. Like, like God's a genie in the bottle. You know, God, now I'm thirsty, come, come give me a drink. Boom, the water. See, but God's, God's, not, God's not worried about it. God doesn't worry about us giving him the glory. Because, you know, eventually we're going to bow to him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord. But God got the thing done that he needed. To, he got the big picture got done. God took care of a lot of, you know, Samson probably killed 2,000 Philistines through this whole thing. And, 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 and the victory is God's and it's always God's. The problem is, you know, we always think that God needs us. God doesn't need us. God gets the work done no matter what. See, God has the big plan. God knows the big picture. He knows the beginning and the end. And he knows who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. But we know God's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anybody. And he's not going to force himself on Samson. But we know eventually Samson does give God glory because he wouldn't be in the faith chapter if he didn't. He, we don't see it here. And we know the next chapter... He basically then really violates his, his, his Nazarite by getting his hair cut, by telling you know, Delilah how, how to get him. And do we, do we really believe that the power was in his hair? The power was the Holy Spirit. It's always the Holy Spirit. You know, Big muscles don't give you power. Not the power that happens here. God says when you fill yourself with his spirit, we have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. You know what kind of power that is? You know what kind of power God has got given us? If we just tap, if we just tap into a little bit, just through faith, tap into a little bit of the power that God's given us, we can move mountains. That's what he tells us. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this, this rock, move, and it move. God's given us unlimited power. We just got to tap into it. We just have enough, got to have enough faith to know that who God is. And the only way we can know that is be in his word. Be in his word daily. Be in prayer. Be in his word daily. Be in prayer. Be in fellowship. Be with the brothers. Because this, this, is, our, this is our family. This is our family in heaven. Get to know each other. Get to know God. Get to know who we'll be praising. Giving honor to. That's what's so incredible about our God. He... he <laughs> He takes somebody like me and he gives them wisdom and he sends them out into the masses. And not that, you know, I'm some great teacher because I know I'm not a pastor teacher, but our church does this because we all need to be equipped. And we got to 
we got to be able to step out of those comfort zones and be able to stand in front of men and preach the gospel because this is training us up. This church trains you up so you can go out and be of use to God because the, the worst thing God, God, God can't use is a stagnant Christian. It's somebody that sits in a pew on Sundays and that's all he does. He's looking for, 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 for soldiers, guys. We need to be a soldier for God. We need to be out there preaching the gospel. Wherever he puts us, he's opened doors for us in the county jail. That's where we go. That's our ministry. You know? And you know what? <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. And he opens doors in the mission fields. He opens doors in the children's ministry. You know, to teach kids. And that's where it's got to start, guys. It's got to start at our home. God's told us, God, God has called us to be priests of our home. And, and that's, where, that's where Satan's winning right now, guys. Satan's winning in the homes because their fathers aren't there. That's why I tell the guys in prison, I said, where are you guys right now? You're here. Where are your kids? Out there. Who do you think's teaching your kids? Role models like, like the, drug leader down, the drug dealer down the street or the, the woman with, the, with nine baby mamas or baby daddies? That's just not going to work, guys. We've we got to make sure that it starts at home because if, you're, if your home isn't in order, God can't use you anyplace else. You've got to get your house in order first. And that means we need to be in there being the priest of our home and not laying with a heavy hand but with love, taking care of our, our honoring our wives and taking care of our children. God first always, but then it's your wife. And if, and if you're not married, don't be over there living with your girlfriend or anything like that or fornicating or anything like that because it doesn't honor God and you will be left behind if you're caught up in any of that sin. Just read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're caught up in any of those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's just God's word. Simple as that, guys. And it's very simple because, you know, a numb nuts like me can understand it and God can use it because I'm definitely not the smartest, the sharpest pencil in the bunch. And if he can use me, he can use anybody. I guarantee you. God is so good. And he's, and he's so... <laughs> and if you want to see the Holy Spirit work, you need to be out there. You need to be out there in the masses, out there preaching the gospel and not worrying about what people think about you because it's what God thinks about you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Father God, thank you for this honor, Lord, for this privilege to fellowship with my brothers, to share your word with them, Lord. And Father God, that you would just continue to use me, Lord. Continue to use my brothers, Lord. That we continue to be out there preaching the gospel, Lord. And, and Lord, Father God, that you would just touch our families, Lord, our wives, our children, our grandchildren, Lord. Lord, that you would go before all those that are sick, the persecuted church all over the world, Lord. All our brothers and sisters that are dying for our faith, that are in the front lines, Lord. We lift them up to you, all our brothers and sisters that are in the mission fields preaching the gospel to all the four corners of the world, Lord. We lift them up to you, Lord. We pray for them that they continue to be bold in your word, Lord. Because what can man do to us? They can't do nothing to us, Lord. They can't. Jesus holds the keys to heaven and hell. And Father God, Satan answers to Jesus. And Father God, we just pray for all those out there preaching the gospel all those that are sick right now, all those that are hurting, Lord, all the families that are, that are just being torn apart right now because of 
because of selfishness, Lord, and people unwilling to deny self and pick up their cross and follow you, Lord. Father God, we know that it's hard to live with somebody sometimes because we're two sinners trying to get along. But if we put Jesus in the middle of it, Lord, he makes it all work. So, Father God, I just lift up all the families out there that are struggling, Lord. All the men that are trying to find a job, Lord, I lift them up to you, Lord. All the women, Lord, that, that, that want to have a family, I just lift them up to you, Lord. And, I, Father God, I just pray for this, for this nation. I pray for our president, Lord. I lift him up to you, Lord. I pray for all the division that's going on in our government, Lord. And, Lord, Satan knows a house divided will not stand. And this house is falling apart, Lord, from the top. And, Father God, we just pray for our politicians, Lord, that they, they put aside all the craziness, Lord, and actually work for us like they need to be. So, Lord, go before us, Lord. Go before our, our, our families. Go before our nation. And, Lord, give us wisdom, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.